what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. My name is Jeff Newville, your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at the Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who's the head of the business department at Catawba Valley Community College. How's it going, Gary? It's going great, Jeff. I'm having a great month, working with a lot of student entrepreneurs on a variety of different projects. And uh, we're, we're taping this in late, late April, I think it is, and I, you have to think about that. Time goes very quickly. And uh, this is getting toward the end of your semester, so are, are, are your students stressed out? Are you stressed out? What's, uh, how's that going? The answer is yes and yes. Yes and yes? And we have our annual Shark Tank event this time of year, and so they're putting together their final work for their Shark Tank as well as trying to wrap up their finals. So it's pretty stressful for them. So you're all's be, working out well. You'll be listening to, to, to some business pitches. Exactly. Well, that, that sounds like fun, you know. And talk about stress. You know, I, I always remember uh, someone told me, uh, they, someone asked Don Shula if he got the, the famous football coach, he used to coach for the Miami Dolphins and won a couple of Super Bowls, if, if he ever got stressed out and whether he had ulcers. And he looked back at him and said, I don't get ulcers, I give ulcers. So that's uh, just the sort of manager that he was. That's I always, probably how my students feel right now. Well, uh, as long as you're not getting the ulcers. Exactly. So, uh, so today, on today's show, we'll start with some, some news and notes that have crossed our desk. Our main topic today is, are there grants out there for your business? With a question mark. And uh, we've got a, a guest with us uh, that we'll introduce shortly, Mandy Pierce. And we're going to finish up with uh, our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight a couple of small businesses that have come across our, our uh, desk in the last month. So, news and notes today. Gary, you and I had the chance to see a movie last night called The Entrepreneur, which is a documentary about a fellow named Malcolm Bricklin. And Malcolm is a car guy. He made millions of dollars uh, as the guy who brought Subaru and Yugo to North America. He lost millions of dollars in other ventures. And uh, this was a documentary about his quest to be the first distributor of Chinese cars in North America. You know, and, and spoiler alert. I don't see a lot of Chinese cars in North America as I'm driving around today. So that uh, gives you a little sense of where the, of the movie goes. But it's a documentary that was shot by his son, Jonathan Bricklin, which is sort of an interesting dynamic. And apparently dad said, uh, you can shoot everything and basically told the people in the movie that if you're going to do business with me, you're going to have to uh, deal with my, my uh, cameraman in tow. So you get to see a lot of interesting things. But, uh, you know, what, you know, I would recommend it to folks uh, interested in, in starting their own business and raising capital. And it's it's uh, he's quite the character. What was what was your take on the movie? I would do the same. I'd recommend it for folks looking to start their own business. I also actually thought about it in some of my class or talking to some of our students or entrepreneurs on leadership qualities, the good things and uh, not so good things I would see about uh, Malcolm and his quest. And what were some of the good things that you saw about Malcolm, or what were some of the things that uh, might have been not so good or concerning? Malcolm was driven. Obviously, he was undeterred uh, when he was successful or unsuccessful. He moved forward believing he had the right idea and the way to make it work. And I think that got to have that kind of drive if you're going to be successful. 
I think he would have been very difficult to work for or with because it was his way or the highway. As he described it, uh, people were going to be in the film and working with him. They were going to do it his way uh, from a filming standpoint, but that's the way he was in almost every part of the business. He wanted good people around him, but it was going to be his decision ultimately. Well, he's sort of the character that fills up a room, and, and sometimes we have a picture in our mind of what a entrepreneur looks like and maybe you think of Steve Jobs or, or you know one of the icons out there and 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 I guess he sort of fits that characterization of uh, you know the guy's a, a walking tornado of, of activity and 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 whatnot yeah and, and to me you know the passion that he brought to it was impressive you know, in, but but sometimes there's a line between passion and and crazy, and exactly. and and I, I sometimes it felt like he was crossing over that line and to a point where his behavior was a little bit unprofessional or or just would put some people off. He went over the top. He almost became from the character to the caricature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from uh, he, it really had to be. I mean, it was entertaining for the movie, but it certainly had to be his way, uh, or it was a problem. And, and and to me, it sort of it brought up the question of the difference between a company founder and a company CEO, and that maybe that's what you need to get your company up and running. But do you have the skill set to actually manage, grow, uh, uh, and, and have a company prosper if if that's your particular management style? Yeah. You said it best earlier this morning that you know perfect example where you have somebody to get the idea, the founder, but. Sometimes you need somebody to, to run the business once you get it, uh, the concept in place. And I, and I guess to the, to the point that uh, perhaps he wasn't the manager, I think his son said toward the end of the movie that his father, Malcolm, had started 30 companies and had four wives, and he hoped that he had more of both. I don't know if that was a, a slam at his current stepmother or what. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't take it that way, but uh, I think he's just the sort of guy that yeah, the 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 it chase well for his personality. The, the, the hunt seemed more important than than the, exactly. than than what he put on the wall. Also, the other message I took away from the the movie was you always have to be careful when who you're dealing with from a business perspective. That you make sure you understand who your partners are because, as you said, he he got the deal done, but it didn't necessarily work out the way he wanted it to. Uh, and, and 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 another point that that. I, I found uh, somewhat fascinating is he had to raise over two hundred million dollars to make this thing work, and uh, you know, not to give too much away, but he's out there raising money and and talking to financial people. He doesn't have a car. He's got pictures of cars. You know, he, he you know he's you know he's this uh, this guy that has such magnetism that he's able to attract lots of capital. And, and I think this was occurring back in 2006 or mm-hmm. so, 2005, 2006, which before the, 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 the Great Recession of 2008, maybe capital was easier to attract at that point in time. I don't know. But, but uh, you know, this, this guy was able to attract millions of dollars with, with pictures and, and – yeah, on a concept more, more than a more more business. concept more style than necessarily substance right so so uh, you know, just uh, you know if you're someone that has to raise capital if you're interested in the car industry if you're interested in seeing how iconic entrepreneurs operate 
we recommend the entrepreneur that uh, go check Absolutely. it out. Yeah, and, and a lot uh, of good lessons. A lot of good lessons there. So, so we're talking. I just mentioned. You know, now, now notice this. That this is what we call the segue in in, in the business. I'm learning. Yeah, you know, when we talk about raising capital, uh, today's topic is. Uh, are there grants out there for your business? Because I don't know. I, I I deal with folks that are starting businesses, and a lot of them come in and say, "Gosh, I need to get that business grant." You know, where's where's the free money? And and most of the time, I uh, say, "Hey, man, there's not a lot of free money out there." Uh, so that's that's generally not an avenue. But made us want to think. Mm-hmm. Let's bring in someone who's uh, got some expertise in in grants, and we're fortunate to have with us uh, Mandy Pierce. And Mandy is the CEO of a company called Grant Cruise, a company that provides organization with organizations with assistance in research, education, and grant writing services. And you can find out more about Mandy's company by visiting www.grantcruise.com. But Mandy, thank you for being here and, and welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad well, you're here. Thank you. So so Mandy, you know, we as I said, yeah, I, I run into people that are are looking for funding and, and certainly open to to various options and and certainly it's very appealing to think that there would be grants out there where I can get the free money but in my experience that's that's fairly limited so you know you you do this for a living you know are there grants out there for businesses when if somebody comes to you and asks that question what do you tell them most of the time my first response is what you're thinking of is a loan <laughs> so that's not free money you have to pay it back and it's also not a grant. Um, there are grants out there for businesses, and most of them live on grants.gov. And there are, you know, there's four different types of funding that the federal government provides, and those are listed on grants.gov. But you have cooperative agreements, grants, procurement contracts, and other, what they list as other, which is most of the time research. But if I was a, a for profit business and I wanted to see what was out there, I would go first to grants.gov and look. And then there's tons of different eligibility requirements that you have to meet. And there is a category on there for small business. There's also a category for individuals and special district governments, unrestricted funds. And then there's one for for for-profit organizations other than small businesses. So there are categories out there, but they are very specific with the requirements. So are those the sort of things that you should, your congressman has created a slush fund to to get money to you? Is Is that what you're saying? They are... Funds that are allocated from governmental agencies. So, we, we, yes, that's the folks that you we, put in office. We found the pork. <laughs> <laughs> Technical term. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think we're really, yeah, we're busting, we're busting the cover off this thing. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is quite the investigative journalism that we're providing uh, here. So, so anyway, so please, please continue. So www.grants.gov is where people should start if they're looking for at least government grants that yes. are out there. So every department within the federal government. So you have the Department of Energy, the Department of Education, or whatever. And then places like the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Institute of Health. All of those agencies and departments have all of their grants listed on grants.gov. You could also visit each one of their websites individually and go to the Department of Education and see all the grants they have available. But if you're actually going to apply for them, you have to go to grants.gov. So it's easier to start at grants.gov. And if if you were... You know, and, and number one, you know, it, to, to me, I, I shudder a bit in that, it, you know, it sounds to me that if I'm going to go for a government grant, there's going to be red tape, there's going to be bureaucracy, lots and, of it and, lots of it. and you know, if I want a grant, this is not the grant I'm going to get next week, no. 
it's going to be a fairly long process to do that. Most grants take between six and nine months to acquire. So after you do the research and find the one you want to qualify for, if you have time to apply for it, most federal grants stay open for four to eight weeks online. So that seems like a long time, but they take forever to write. So it's not a long time. And then once you submit it, it takes months for those to be reviewed and scored and for you to find out if you're going to get funded. And a lot of times federal grants are reimbursement based, which means you do the work first, you submit your reports, and then they review those and pay you. And it can take up to three months to get your first check back. I've worked with an organization once it took six months to get their first check back. So they were running their program out of their pocket for six months, and then they get their first reimbursement. So, so that there are some potential cash flow issues yeah, there that's because good information to know. Yeah. I didn't realize that folks folks are going to want to be paid while you're waiting for you you you're waiting to receive your money, and uh, your your suppliers or vendors might not be as patient. So. And that's not tradition. Most traditional foundations and f- places where nonprofits go to get their grants, most of the time those are going to be paid up front before you do the work. But state and federal grants very often are reimbursement. And that's something that you learn when you do the research online. And, and it will tell you all of that information in the guidelines for the grant, which is sort of the instructions. Mm-hmm. And it will say to you, this is a reimbursement grant. Or another thing they do with federal and state grants is they have matching requirements. So if you're going to apply for a $100,000 grant, it's very possible you have to have a 20% match. Sometimes that can be an in-kind contribution of space or time or contributions otherwise, and sometimes it has to be cash. So you not only have to find other supporters, but you have to secure those dollars as well before you can receive those funds. So now now grants.gov sounds like a very good starting point for, for folks that are looking for that sort of money. and. And it sounds like, it, in terms of the amounts, probably varies from small amounts to millions of dollars. I don't know for yes. the, depending on the, the type of project or, or, or that sort of thing. Yes. So it depends on if it's um, depends on the the grant, the scope of the grant, the agency offering the funding, and they will tell you all that as well. They usually they use the terms award floors and award ceilings, so they don't always have them listed. But if they say, you know, we have a million dollars to give out. It's very possible that that particular agency will say the award floor is going to be $250,000. We're not giving out less than that. The award ceiling is going to be $500,000. So you know you can't ask for more than that. Mm-hmm. They don't all say that, but when they do, it's very helpful in the application process. Now, in, in addition to grants.gov, uh, you know, I, I know that some local cities, and, you know, and we're sitting here in western North Carolina, and I work with some of the local cities, and some of them – provide grants for two businesses if they're doing improvements to existing buildings or renovations or or landscaping improvements. Often those are uh, matching grants as well. Are there other avenues that people might be considering in terms of looking for where grants might be? There's not many places to go to for for for-profit business grants. There are other types of funding. For example, your Shark Tank that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and the Chamber of Commerce here puts right. on their, what's the name of the that? The Edison Project. Yes, the yeah. Edison Project. So business plan competitions where you might yes. win some money. So there's money available, but mm. those are not grants. Right. And they're very different. So there are things out there. There are companies that are very interested in folks pursuing the type of work they're in. So they may offer incentives for folks that are doing innovative work in their field. That's not a grant. That's more of an award or prize, a competition. Mm-hmm. It is out there. You just have to know where to go and look, and it depends on the type of business that you're in. Okay. So know your industry. Yes. And then there's a lot of things. Again, this goes back to the federal government, but you may have tax credits, or you may be able to, to get money for doing things like becoming 
a, a green business or having energy efficient upgrades, renovations, things like that. So if you have a capital project or you're doing some kind of building or innovation, depending on the types of work you're doing, there's funding out there for that. So assuming that you find a grant that you think that you're a fit for, uh, what, what advice do you give people when they're going to apply for that grant? Uh, what, what should they do before, before they start even writing the grant? What sort of steps should they be taking to prepare themselves for that? How do they set themselves apart? The yeah. most important part of grant writing, in, in my opinion, any kind of fundraising is relationship building. And if you skip that step, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So making a call to a program officer, um, those will be listed on the grants online as well as uh, grants.gov. They all have them listed and have a conversation. Say, this is who I am. This is what I'm wanting to do. Does this sound like something that fits within the parameters or what you want to fund? And, you know, sometimes they'll say, you know, not really. You submit an application if you want to because it fits the guidelines, but that's not something we typically fund. And that's someone saying to you, don't send an application. Uh, that's good information so yes. you don't put Read your resources in that area. right? Yes. But some people hear that and they're like, oh, yeah, they told me to apply. And I'm like, yeah, but they also said that's not something we typically fund. <laughs> you know, people get excited and they want to put the application in. Right. Well, a lot um, of times people hear what they want to hear. Yes. Yep. So building that relationship with the funder um, as well as knowing your product very well. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to do it? What is your program? What are you going to accomplish? And there's, there's a lot of things you should know beforehand. What's your budget? What's your time frame? What, do you, what are your goals and objectives? And I know that in business and nonprofit, those are sometimes very different terms, goals and objectives. And I've heard business folks talk about that in very different light than what I'm used to hearing. So, you know, you'd have to be familiar with that enough to talk about it and write it and compellingly tell your story to someone so they would want to give you money. Well, well, we're also proponents of a business plan, which which I suspect Absolutely. a lot of that information would be used in, in in your grant if you if you were applying for the right thing. You probably wouldn't submit the business plan, but you would have to take that business plan and put it into the terms they're looking for. Yeah, right. yeah. but it's a little little cut and paste action. Yes, exactly. Baseball is back, and the Hickory Crawdads have an exciting season ahead. Join the dads for weekly promotions such as Dollar Day, Fireworks Fridays, and of course, Thirsty Thursday. The Crawdads will also host the South Atlantic League All-Star Game on June 17th. Regular season and All-Star Game tickets are now on sale and available at the Crawdads box office or hickorycrawdads.com. So your your relationship building is key, doing your homework is key. Once you're ready to start writing, you know, what, what are some tips for putting your grant together and what are some things people should be doing? What should they not be doing? If you're not a good storyteller and you can't be concise, you might not be the person that needs to write your grant. You might need to work with someone else mm-hmm. in your organization that can have that skill because not everybody has all the skills for raising funds. If you are, you need to A, be concise, be very specific. Make sure that you're answering the questions they're asking, not the questions you want to answer. So it's not like being in school where we can just sort of like write on for whatever we want. Yes, they give you very specific instructions and those guidelines are there for a reason, so follow them. Um, And always have someone else look over your work. A second set of eyes can save you tons of heartache later, whether it's a typo or a copy-paste error or... And I've done all of those, so... You know, you type a word and it's a good word, so spell check doesn't catch it, but it's not the word you meant to type. Doesn't fit right there, right? Yeah, yeah, spell check has its limitations. (laughs) Yeah, so we've probably all made that uh, that mistake. 
And and what and what sort of common mistakes do you do you see? Is it is it uh, is it typos? Is it not answering the right questions? Is it not answering the questions the way folks want to hear them? Is the biggest one not having clear and not having goals and objectives written the way that funders want to see them. And there's a lot of different ways to write them. So having that conversation with the funder and letting them look over what you're trying to accomplish is important, especially when you're talking about super competitive grants, most federal grants, unless they say they're for a specific state or region, they're going to be open to the country. So you're competing with folks all over the country for that. Um, So highly competitive grants, you know, they're going to be scored and other people are going to read them and give you their opinions in numbers. So you want to make sure that you are submitting the highest quality proposal you can, doing the best research, putting the best statistics forward that support your case, not just what you think or feel or what those people in your business think or feel, but what has actually been determined by research. What about what I believe? Is that okay? <laughs> you can put it at that point. Unless you're the uh, top person on the topic in the country, you know, you're the go-to person for that. Um, you are in many cases, yeah. <laughs> You're um, a small business guru. That's right. I am available for hire as well. So uh, keep <laughs> keep those cards and letters coming. Uh, so what happened? So so you you found a grant. You made the you made the contact. Talked to them. Started to build that relationship. They said, "Yeah, this this might be something we'd be interested in. You should put in a grant." So you you, you feel like there's some positive feedback there, but then. You don't get the grant. Is it? Do you have bad breath? You know, what's the what's the problem? Is it something that you should apply for again? What's your what's your take on on that? So three things. One, if it is a local foundation or a, a corporation that has a grant cycle, it's not the federal government. Then you call that person, program officer that you have built a relationship with, and say, "Can you give me any feedback? Can you tell me what the board was what thinking?" Happened? Because it's not that program officer's decision; it's the board's decision. And then sometimes they can and sometimes they can't. Sometimes they say, you know, we had so many great proposals, we just we couldn't fund them all. There was nothing wrong with your proposal. It was well written. You answered all the questions. We liked your program, but there was one that was we just liked a little more. So you have to be able to accept feedback in that sense. Sometimes they'll say, well, we didn't feel like you had this fully developed, or we didn't feel like your budget was really what we're wanting to fund out of this. And so then you have to take that and run with it. But the last question you ask that person before you get off the phone is, is this something we could resubmit during the next grant cycle, or do you think maybe they wouldn't fund it? And you have to take their feedback on that. Sometimes they'll say, yes, absolutely, make these changes, turn it in again. You might have to wait six months to turn it in, but turn it in. When it comes to the federal government, typically those grants are scored, so you're going to get feedback. And you won't know who said it, and you won't be able to argue with them about it. They'll just say, this is your score, and this is why. And you read it, and you take from that what you will, and then if that grant comes open again, which all federal grants do not, they are not always reoccurring. Some of them have several cycles, and some of them don't. Some of them are one-time only, and again, that depends on who's in office. Um, (laughs) Then, you know, you can reapply, and that is a conversation you can have with a program officer, but more than likely they're going to say, if you meet the criteria, you're welcome to put an application in. They won't tell you one way or another. Well, any other any other parting thoughts for uh, the listeners out there in terms of uh, you know you know finding that pot of gold uh, through through that that great grant? You should start your grant research a year before you want to have the money in hand. Well, so if you know you have a project coming up in January 2016, you need to start doing your research at the end of this year. And once you find a couple of grants you qualify for, go ahead and put those applications in because it'll take you that long to get the money in your hand. That's important because I think when people go, they expect. Immediate gratification and not that it's going to take many months or even over a year. So so I guess we should keep playing the lottery, huh, Gary? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we have our new strategy. They pay off quicker. <laughs> yeah, you know, 
It's that winning. And That's... grants are work. You have reporting you have to do after you get them. So know and make sure you have capacity to manage the grants when they come in. So people are going to actually want to know how we spent the money if they yeah, give it you know, to us? it's possible. They look at you as an investment and they want to know what their return on investment is. <laughs> yeah, so even the easy money isn't that easy. Exactly. Well, so so the good news is there are some grants out there for businesses, and 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 uh, and I I know that you also do the majority of your work with nonprofits. So I assume that that there are certainly lots of grants out there for our nonprofit listeners out out there as well. But there are some grants out there for business. But number one, don't assume that this is going to be quick money, and don't assume it's going to be easy money. And if you're partnering or collaborating with a nonprofit as a for profit. There are lots of opportunities for grants through that nonprofit agency to support the work that you're doing with them. So make sure you're partnering with lots of folks because agencies that have grant funding these days want to see partnerships. They want to make sure that the community is working together and that you're not duplicating services. So Mm -hmm. there are more than one options. You don't just have to do business grants or just do nonprofit grants. You can do a mixture of both. Well, and, and I, I guess from a business perspective, partnering, you know, if, you know, partnering with a nonprofit, as long as it's a, a logical, sensible partnership, might be a way to increase your chances of success and perhaps open yourself to grants that you might not get just strictly as a for-profit organization. It was a group I worked with once that did digital recording where mm-hmm. they would go in and, and copy paper records from medical offices mm-hmm. and put them digitally because a couple years ago the government made it a requirement for different places to do that. Well, that was a for-profit business, but a lot of nonprofits like adoption agencies, libraries, different places, they needed the service. Same type of service. They didn't right. have the money for it. So it was a partnership. They would go to these nonprofits and say, we have the education on how to write the grants. We're going to help you apply for the funding. And then once we get it, you will use our services for that purpose. So it's, you know, kind of a win-win. The nonprofit may not have time to put the grants together, and if the for-profit has an education to do it, it's helpful. So that's just a small example of how that can work. Oh, smells like a business opportunity for yes. the right person. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard that the government's had some involvement with health care, and that probably creates some, some opportunities there. Yes, indeed. So. Anyway, well, well, Mandy, we very much appreciate you joining us today. And uh, again, uh, how, how, if people want to find out more about uh, Grant Cruz and, and your business, where can they find you? You can find me on LinkedIn under Mandy Pierce, and you can also find me online at grantcruz.com, and that's C-R-E-W-S.com. Okay. And we have several workshops coming up in the next two months, so if you want to learn more about grant writing, look us up. Sounds, Sounds good. Great. And, it's, and it's Mandy Pierce on LinkedIn. Pierce is spelled P-E-A-R-C-E. Yes. Because there are other, other Pierce's right, that way. So, anyway, well, thank you very much for joining us today and, and uh, enlightening us about uh, grants and how to go about getting them. Go get the money. Go get the money. Sounds great. All right. Now, uh, at the end of our show, we like to talk about some small businesses that uh, have, that we've come across and and give them a shout-out and, and highlight them. So, Gary, what's, uh, what do you got uh, to share with us this month? Thanks, Jeff. My small business of the month is one that hits close to my sweet spot, my stomach. As you know, it's a common theme for my monthly spotlight. This one is a Biscuit Love Truck, which was founded by Carl and Sarah Worley in 2012 in Nashville after they both graduated from Johnson & Wales University. Is this a band? No, it's it, a, it could be. It could be. Okay, sounds good. I Biscuit might love. I, I might name my fantasy football team Biscuit Love Truck next year. There <laughs> we go. I really <laughs> like that. And I'll, I will not tell them about it in case they want royalties. Okay, it's that's a good idea. After spending a lot of time in the kitchens in Denver, they further developed the passion for sustainable agriculture and 
farm-to-table restaurants, which, by the way, is one of our student entrepreneurs' uh, idea last year. Uh, through their sourcing of quality seasonal ingredients to Carl, known for creating delicious dishes that honor the deep-rooted traditions of the South. And he also has you know, an assortment of menu options that include Nashville's own hot chicken and a sweet sandwich named after their daughter, Gertie. Between the regular and seasonal offerings, it's sure to be something that everyone's going to enjoy. Uh, they get people coming from all over Nashville for it. And I decided to highlight this food truck business because I've been talking to a lot of folks locally as well as around the country about this industry and how it's growing and helping uh, the local industries as well as people coming out of culinary school. And so I thought it would be a unique item for our business. And, you know, it kind of ties in closely to last month's poopery. Uh, oh that was very. Oh, I love that stuff. My gosh, I tell you, is it Are not growing? Me? Yes. Yeah. Putting Christmas stockings every year. Oh. There you go. Oh, My okay. gosh, I, it is a growing business that it we didn't know about three months ago. Are you kidding me? Uh, well, funny we, story. When I first started my current full-time position where I'm working, I, I went out with them for Christmas lunch. Everybody in the office is <laughs> kind of their first meeting with me, so I had to get everybody presents, and it was very last minute. So I got the ladies' little tote bags, but then the CEO. Um, I gave him a big bottle of poopery because I'm like, well, anybody can use it, technically. I don't think he appreciated it as much as I did. But I tell you, it's something that people, we're finding out more and more people are appreciating. And or, or they're not just endorsers, they're users. Yes. I think the poopery people might owe us some commission at some point. I think so. This is a couple months in a row we've done this. And are you going to bring some food trucks to Hickory? Because that's on my top ten list of things to get here all Well, you know, it's funny. That's one of the reasons we started looking at it, that we've had folks up in a different county talking about it. I'm starting one myself. All right. So bis- biscuit love truck. Biscuit love truck. All right. Well, that's a good one. I don't know if they trademarked it. You could probably use it here. Well, not for your fantasy football team. That's right. not in my league. <laughs> All right. So uh, my, my uh, small business of, of the month is a, a little bit more mainstream. Actually, it's a, a, a small business that I've met here locally and I'm doing some work with. It's uh, uh, a fellow that started his own small manufacturing knitwear company. It's called Scott Ian McFarland Knitwear, and it's owned by Scott McFarland, uh, who is here locally in our in Western North Carolina. He's actually Scott has actually designed his own line of outerwear sweaters, but recently started a business where he's doing contract manufacturing and small production runs for other folks here in Western North Carolina. He's doing. Uh, product development work, sample construction, uh, some garment production, doing yarn sourcing and, and swash design for people. And uh, I, I just found it very interesting that uh, there are becoming more and more opportunities for small apparel manufacturers where a lot of that business went offshore over, over the last 10 years. Uh, now there are many small apparel manufacturers starting to pop back up. Here in, here in North Carolina, as they've really dis- they've they've determined that there are some advantages to having uh, certain products made domestically because of the short lead times, the the flexibility uh, that they can provide as opposed to getting things from offshore and the speed to market. So uh, I've been doing a little bit of work with Scott uh, and found that uh, you know, he's 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 making a pretty good uh, product and got he started his business earlier this year and and is doing very well with it. So that's Scott Ian McFarland Knitwear, and you can learn more about his business by going to http uh, backslash backslash Scott. IanMcFarland.com. That's Scott 
I-A-N for Ian. McFarland is M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D.com. And you can learn more about uh, Scott's business and, and see the sort of products that he's doing. But uh, you know, just sort of a, a nice little story of uh, bringing some production back to the United States and, and creating some jobs here. So we're all for that. Absolutely. So anyway, we appreciate uh, you listening to our Entrepreneur Exchange and, and joining us this month. And we'll be back again next month. If you have any ideas for a small business of the month, please email them to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we choose your small business, you get the Entrepreneur Exchange prize pack, which we've had to give out a couple times at great personal expense to Gary and myself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so uh, yeah, last month's winner loved their package. Well, well, very good. So, anyway, well, thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time. Have a good one. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.